Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to everybody here in-house, everybody watching through the screen. Uh, my name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at church, and if you are new, just want to welcome you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Um, I'm excited to bring the word. We've been in this series called Now What? Asking the question, what do we do now? Where do we go from here with all that's going on in the world? Today's message, I'm excited about this title. It is, uh, it is titled BTS Heaven and the Rewards Beyond. Yeah, let's go. BTS Heaven and the Rewards Beyond. Let me pray and let's ask the Lord to give us insight into his truth. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that this morning you would be here. God, we know you're everywhere at all times, but God, would you just be present in a very real way because we experience you stirring in our hearts, opening up your truth and just pouring it into us, Lord. God, we take this pause and ask that you don't let us go before you, but Lord, that we would let you lead us into all truth. So God, wherever we are, whether we're listening under a tent, in, in the sanctuary, in um, our house, wherever it is, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted from what you want to get into our hearts today. Lord, take away anything that's going to war for our attention. And Lord, we pray that by your power, by your Holy Spirit, and by your protection, you would uh, draw us near, bring us here. We look forward to meeting with you and hearing from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen, amen. It is never too late. It is never too late to get in to a BTS concert. And I learned that because, you know, uh, our, our producer, Doug, today, he's on our tech team. And every time we get together and hang out, uh, his daughter, Kayala, will come. And she will teach us and talk to us everything about BTS. She is officially part of the BTS army. BTS is this K-pop group that has taken the world by storm. And ARMY is, is the official fan club worldwide that supports BTS. For those of you guys, some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. If you live through the 60s and you're totally lost as to who BTS is, let me contextualize it for you and help you understand. Just think Beatles. Beatles. Remember those days? <laughs> think Beatlemania on social media and on steroids. These people are crazy fanatics for BTS. Well, Keala is proud to be ARMY, and she, she's allowing me to share all this. She's unashamed. But she knows all the albums. She knows every song. She knows all the lyrics. She knows everything about every seven, all the, all the seven members of BTS. She, she collects these photo cards. She collects rare memorabilia. She has learned Korean, though she's not Korean because of BTS. She plans to study abroad in Korea because of BTS. She is a hardcore BTS fan. I, I was so intrigued by everything she was telling me about the army, and, and I wanted to find out for myself, what's all the hype around these guys? Why, do, why does everyone in the world love these seven guys so much? Then I heard there's an opportunity because our friend, my friend Lee, who, who drums for us here at SBCC, he happened to buy some tickets early on. Once the news came out that they would be in town, he bought some tickets. I said, I want in. I said, I want to go. Let me get one. And so I was fortunate enough to get one at the last minute. I was able to get in. I had only one week 
from the time that I got that ticket to the time I would be able to get into the concert. And so I had to do my work. So I downloaded all the music on my Spotify. I listened to it on repeat in my car with my kids. I watched all these YouTube videos. And as I'm trying to learn who these guys are, I, I got to say, they're pretty amazing. Like, these guys are pretty good. Like, they can sing. They can dance. They got great personalities. I was excited and stoked at this opportunity. I want to say to you, it is never too late to get in. I'm going to share a little bit about that concert with you in a bit. But that phrase right there, it's never too late to get in, actually carries deep theological truth that's praiseworthy. I think about Luke chapter 23. And Jesus is hanging on a cross, and there's two thieves, criminals, next to him. And if you read Luke 23, these criminals mock Jesus. The Gospels, they both ridicule Jesus. And yet, at some point in the day, something happens in one of these guys' hearts. And he, all of a sudden, he, he acknowledges who Jesus is. And if you read the, the story, he admits his sin. Then he acknowledges Jesus as king. And then he asks, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus, who is the son of God, who knows all things, knows the genuineness of his heart. And he what? He admits him in. Let me show you Luke 23, verse 43. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This guy gets saved at the last minute, the 11th hour of his life, right before he's about to breathe his last breath, Christ gives him the right, the right to have eternal breath, to breathe eternally. And some of, some of you guys would call that, man, that is a last minute Hail Mary. That's a Hail Mary. I say, no, that's praise Jesus. It's not a Hail Mary. That's a praise Jesus moment. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did he get baptized? Nope. Well, how much money did he give to, to the church? How much offering did he give? Not a dime. Well, was he kind to the needy? Did he give to the poor? No, he, he jacked them. He was a thief. He was a criminal. And, and, and so where is he? Paradise. The eternal kingdom of God. And some of us would read this story and say, how in the world is that fair that a criminal his entire life gets into the kingdom of God? How is that fair? And I would say, it's not. It's not fair. It's grace. It's grace. I don't know about you. I've read this story and it's like, why, why Holy Spirit, would you include this in your holy word? Like, why this example of this scumbag who did nothing good in this world, who added nothing good, no good contribution to society, who has no credentials, no credibility, didn't spend a single day of his life serving Jesus, and he gets in? Like, why would you put that example in, in, in the Bible? And I believe that his story and his example is in the Bible because... In this thief, we see the clearest, the best example of this gospel of grace. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, not by works, 
It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. That's grace. Amen? That's grace. And so you have to understand, if there are any believers who are saved in here, it is not a result of your works. It is not because of your baptism. It is not because of a prayer. It is not because of your church attendance. It's not because of your act of kindness. It's not because of your tithing. It is solely the grace of God because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your King. It is grace. It is because of his work that you're redeemed. You're redeemed by his work, his death, his sacrifice on the cross. And because of that, it is never too late to get into the kingdom of God if you trust him as Savior and King. So so why don't we all just do that? Why don't we all wait to the 11th hour of our life? Why don't we all just live it up, live however we want? And I would say, though it's never too late to get into the kingdom of God, I'd respond to that by saying it's never too soon to start living for the kingdom of God. It is never too soon. Because even Jesus himself teaches over and over again. He gives us compelling reason as to why you should not delay living for the kingdom, living for Christ. But now you should start living for him. Because he would say, even though you are redeemed by his work, you will be rewarded for your work. Though we are redeemed by his work, we will be rewarded for our works. This is the big idea of this message. I'm going to put it up for you. So if you're taking notes, maybe you're on the app or maybe you're on your your computer or your phone or, or your notebook, write this down. We are redeemed by his work, but we will be rewarded for our work. I wonder if you know somebody like that. How many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you know somebody who thinks like that? I'll just live however I want to live. Like, I'll I'll do this and I'll, I'll walk with the world because his grace covers all. There's nothing he can't forgive, so I'll live how I want to. Or, or some, some of you might know someone who hasn't even embraced Christ yet, and, and they think, you know, I'll live however I want, and then in the 11th hour on my deathbed, then I'll ask Jesus into my heart. And to that, Christ would say, no, live faithfully now, for great will your reward be in heaven. Maybe that person who thinks like that is you. And I pray that the Lord would speak to you through this. Because, listen, we can't ignore the times, numerous times, Jesus teaches this doctrine of rewards. This principle that how Christians live now matters for how you will live then. And not just Jesus. I'm going to show you what Jesus says, but, but even the Apostle Paul and other writers of Scripture, look what the Holy Spirit says through Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 through 10, verse 10, if you have your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And in that context, Paul's talking about the fact that every Christian will have to stand before our judge on judgment day. But understand that this judgment day that Paul talks about is not going to be a dreadful day. It's not going to be a dreadful day for Christians. It's going to be a joyful day. Why? Well, because what he's talking about is the Bema judgment. 
We call it the bema seat of Christ. And it is a, a good thing. We think of judgment usually as a, as a bad, terrible thing. But the picture of a bema seat, and that's the term he uses in this verse, it's a raised platform. And it gives us a, an analogy, a picture of the athletic games, any competition in the ancient world, kind of like the Olympics, which existed back then. And the judges would sit on this bema seat, and before them was a podium where the competitors would stand. And it's appropriate that we're going through the Winter Olympics right now, 2022 Winter Olympics, and just imagine the Olympics where the, the, the top performers get to stand on the podium. And when the judges are, are there before them, they're, they're not penalizing them at this point. They're not punishing them. What are they doing? They're evaluating their performance and they are rewarding them for how they performed. And so judgment day at the Bema Sea for Christians will not be a day where you will be punished for your sins. It will be a day where, you, where you're going to be rewarded for your works. You're not going to be punished for your sins because Christ already took that punishment for you. Now it's just about rewarding what you've done on earth. And so when, when, when they're at the games, the judges will evaluate the performance and give you either maybe a gold or a silver or a bronze or, or a crown or a wreath. Whatever the prize was, they would award it at that ceremony. One day, every Christian, we will stand before the Bema seat, the Bema judgment of Christ, and he will stand there. And it won't be a time to determine if we get to heaven or not because we're there. And it's not going to be a time to determine or, or to punish you for your sins. That's been taken care of. Now it's how did you live? And the judge, Jesus, will evaluate what we've done and reward us accordingly. So the question is, what will we be rewarded for? What's the criteria? Well, let me show you scriptures. And I, I want to show you at least three criteria for which we will be evaluated and rewarded for. The first is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We're going to be rewarded for how well you loved. How well did you love while you were on earth? And this is good because I, I noticed as I was looking through the Bible as to the evidence of rewards, I've noticed that every time it says you're going to get a reward, it's usually for the hard works. Not the easy stuff, the, the hard stuff. Like, Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Philippians 3 and this race that we run as Christians, right? And we said we have to strain for the prize. And that word is to stretch forth because it takes intentionality and discipline and work, right? Because what do we say? Because nobody drifts into righteousness. Nobody accidentally wins the trophy. It takes effort, discipline, intentionality. And it's almost like Jesus is saying those who, as Christians, who have been saved by grace already, who work hard in the relationship with Christ and work hard for the things of heaven, you will be rewarded for those hard works. For example, like the hard work of love. Now, loving others is the easiest thing in the world to do. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Let me prove that to you. Everybody right now, think about someone in your life that you love. Who in your life is like easy to love? Now, whoever you just thought of that's easy to love, I'm, I'm willing to bet that person loves you too. It's because they love you back. And there's no reward for that because that's easy. That's natural. 
Look what Jesus says about love in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, 32 and 33. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you read those passages, you'll notice there's no mention of reward because that kind of love comes naturally. How many of you guys know that Adolf Hitler was a very loving man? He was full of love for his mom, Clara Hitler, who only loved him his entire life. And so it's easy to love those who love you, but to everybody else, he was an evil man. And yet, those who do the hard work of loving those that you don't feel like you should love. Look what Jesus says. He goes on in verse 35 in Luke chapter 6. He says, but love your enemies. Lend, he says, and do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return. And what? Your reward will be great. When we fight to love those who don't deserve your love, when we work hard to give to those who cannot ever give back, what does Christ say? He says, don't worry, I got you. I will repay you. I'll reward you. You just keep on loving. You just keep doing good. Now, if, if you're going to receive payment back from a peasant or a king, I'd say go for the king's payment. And if it's about getting repaid or being shown love and good works by a person or the king of kings, go for the king's currency. And so Christ says, don't worry, I'll reward you. Your payment is in heaven. Keep on loving your enemies and give to those who can't give back. I'd say trust his words. And so if your heart has been gripped by the gospel, then let's love the unlovable. Let's forgive the unforgivable. Let's show grace to the undeserving. Let's show kindness to that mean person. For great will your reward be for the hard work of love. Reward is often found in the good works that require hard work, like loving those who don't deserve it. That's the first one. We'll be rewarded for how well did you love. Secondly, write this down. Rewarded for how well you persevered. We're going to be rewarded for how well you persevered. I was uh, reading the news a couple weeks ago, and there's a story of this good Samaritan in Manhattan, New York. And he sees this guy, true story, there's a surveillance video of this, but there's this guy laying cold on the concrete. And this good Samaritan just had a heartwarming uh, moment where he wanted to take care of this man laying on the street. So check out this video. I'm just going to show you about 20 seconds of this clip. I'm going to stop it right there, but he goes on to continue to beat this man. And I see that, and that's appalling to me. This good Samaritan, out of the goodness of his heart, wanted to care for his fellow neighbor, and the guy robs him, literally takes his wallet, and, and beats him. 
Like, what is that? Like, in this world, you have to understand that there are going to be some people who don't deserve your love. And the Bible says you'll be rewarded for loving them. But then there will be those who will not just not deserve it. They will attack you and persecute you for loving on them. And as people who belong to Jesus, we want to not just bring good to the world. We want to bring good news. We want to bring righteousness in his name. Help people get saved for eternity. And yet people will persecute you for that and attack you for that when you're just trying to save their life. And yet Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. I mean, how can one endure such cruel treatment? He says this in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. Church, keep on persevering in bringing good news and righteousness in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus says you may be persecuted and you may be attacked, but keep on pressing on in bringing Jesus for great is the reward when you are persecuted for his name's sake. So how well do you endure and persevere in this hostile world? Number three, we'll be rewarded for how well we loved, rewarded for how well we persevered, and then we'll be rewarded for how faithfully you served. How faithfully did you serve? I heard a story of a, a preacher who died and went to heaven. And when he got there, he, he was upset. And he starts complaining to St. Peter. He says, how is this fair? Because he sees this, like, New York taxi cab driver looks rough around the edges. He's got cutoffs. He's got tats all over his arms. He's got a mohawk and a goatee. And he says, St. Peter, how is that fair? I devoted my whole life to preaching the word of God, and, and he has more rewards than me, and he has a bigger crown than me. How is that fair? And St. Peter goes, listen, here in heaven, we reward based off of results. He says, tell me, preacher man, what were the results when you would preach your messages on Sunday? Pastor puts his head down. He said, they fell asleep. <laughs> I put them to sleep. St. Peter goes, exactly. And when people got into that guy's cab, he not only kept them awake, he caused them to pray like never before. We reward based on results. That's not a true story. That's not a true story. It's not a true story. I know. How, how do I know? Because we are not rewarded based off of results. We are rewarded based off of our faithfulness. Does God care about results? Yes, he does. And so God will take care of fruitfulness. Our job is faithfulness. Let God handle the fruitfulness of our faithfulness. You read in the scriptures and we're reminded that everything that we have is God's. And we're to use it to serve him. So the question is, how are you living? Like what on earth are you doing with your time and your talents, with your resources and your responsibilities, with your kids and your career? 
how we choose to live now with what we have now here on this earth will impact what we will have then there in heaven. Do you see it all as his? Remember these, these parables Jesus tells. He tells a couple of them of a master and he has servants. He has these managers hired to take care of his property, his resources. And, and then every time they're good and faithful, what, what's that thing he says to commend them? He says, well done, good and faithful servants, right? Well done, good and faithful servants, but you have to understand that these servants are the ones who invested in the master's business. They, they took his stuff and they put it to work and they made it about the master's interests. Not everybody who gets to heaven will hear those words. So understand at least two things. Understand this one thing, that not everybody will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. He had a lot of servants, but who were the ones who got that commendation? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, if you read it closely, you, you look at it really closely, it was the ones who were actually good and faithful. Not everybody will hear those words. Understand the second thing, that when you hear those words, if you hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, the reward isn't entirely in just hearing those words. Like, oh, trust me, it's going to be rewarding when the master looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, he's talking about me. And yet those words are an introduction to the rewards to come. There are rewards beyond that. It's coming for you. Let me show you Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and Jesus tells this parable of 10 servants. And he gives a mina to each servant. And a, a mina is a form of currency. So it's like money. And he gives one to each, and they all are expected to put it faithfully to work for the master's purposes. Why? Because it's his. And look how... how they responded, Luke chapter 19, verse 16 through 19. It says, the first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina, not my mina, but your mina has made ten more minas. And the master said to him, well done, good servant, well done. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And then the second came, saying, Lord, your mina not mine, but, but your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. And so what we see in this story is not just a commendation, not just words, but beyond the words, there are rewards. You will have five cities. You will have ten cities. They were investing in what the master gave them, and they were putting it back to serve the master's purposes. They were being good and faithful servants. So I want to ask you, what are, what are you doing? Like, what on earth are you doing? Are your talents being used for the king's glory? Are your kids being used to magnify his name? 
Is your income being spent on his kingdom? Is your time being invested into eternal things? What on earth are you doing? And do you recognize that it's all his? And we're just managers. We're just stewards of his things. So we will be rewarded for how faithfully we, we serve here on earth. We'll be rewarded based on how well we love, on how well we persevere, and how well we serve with the things he's entrusted to us. So those are just some things we will be held accountable for and, and rewarded for. But the question is now, and some of you guys might be thinking, well, what are these rewards? Like, what really does that look like when we get to heaven? Well, let me share with you, because some people think these rewards will be crowns, like figurative or maybe actual crowns. There's evidence for that. The Bible says in the New Testament, there's at least five crowns it mentions. Crown of righteousness, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of life, the crown of glory, and the imperishable crown. Those are all mentioned in the New Testament. So some people say that's our reward. And some people say, well, no, it's, it's, it's rooms in the mansion of glory. And there's biblical evidence for that. And some people will say, no, it's going to be precious stones and jewels. Revelation talks about that. But I also think there's a, a lot of biblical evidence that our rewards in heaven will be varying levels of responsibility. He's going to reward you with, with positions of leadership and authority. I want to show you, let's go back to Luke 19, that parable we just read. But let me show you that, that perhaps the reward is these responsibilities. And the greater the reward, the greater your responsibility. So look at 17 again. The master said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over what? Ten cities. Circle that phrase, ten cities. And then the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. Circle that phrase, five cities. And so what was their reward? Leadership, authority, responsibility. And I know some of you, especially you Bible students, is like, come on, Pastor Greg, you know this is a parable. You can't take it literally. You can't take everything literally from a parable. You won't really have cities and you won't really have responsibilities. Well, I think there's other scriptures that, that say the same thing. And I agree with guys like John Piper and Randy Alcorn who tend to agree. Like we look at the book of Revelation. It talks about the new heavens and the new earth. What is final heaven going to look like? And in Revelation 21, verse 24 says, By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Wait, so this new earth, heaven, is going to have nations and kings who, who are going to be, be the kings and the rulers of this new earth. Well, look at Revelation 20, verse 4, talking about the kingdom. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. It was given to them. And so you have to ask, who's going to be given authority to rule and to judge over the nations, to rule and judge over the cities, to, to work and serve in the temples? There's all these different roles in the Bible we see taking place in heaven. Who gets those responsibilities? I believe 
It's the ones Jesus taught about. The good and faithful servants. The ones who in this lifetime proved faithful with the master's things. They are faithful and they will be rewarded responsibility. Now, I know some of you are thinking, how in the world is that a reward? Like, how is responsibility, how is work a reward? Like, I'm trying to retire. Like, when I retire, I don't want no responsibility. I just want to rest and chill. Like, how is, how is work a reward? And I want to remind you, remember in this world, in a sinful earth, Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered in, work became toilsome and burdensome. It wasn't supposed to be that way. On the flip side, in a sinless heaven, it'll be as it should be. There will be no stress, no pressure, no social comparison. In, in a sinless heaven, work is a reward. Responsibility is reward. There will be great privilege and a crown of honor that comes with greater responsibility. And the great honor in that and the glory in it is not revolved around you. The glory and the privilege of it will be in your relationship with Jesus as you serve. Let me try to illustrate this for you because this might not be making sense, but let me illustrate for you. Recently, the, the, the last wedding I got to officiate was for a couple uh, Kyle and Courtney Sunishi, they, they attend our church, they're part of our church family. And I've been walking with Kyle for about eight or nine years, been just mentoring him, meeting with him regularly. So I, it was such an honor to be able to officiate Kyle and Courtney's wedding. But not only did I have the honor of officiating it, I had the privilege of being invited to be one of his groomsmen. And so, so we got to be part of this wedding party. Now think about this with me, at that wedding celebration, Many guests fill the place, lots of guests. But out of all the guests, who had the most responsibilities? These people right here, the wedding party. These were the people who, even before the wedding, had to help pick out the wedding dress. They were the ones who had to prepare the bachelor and the bachelorette party. They were the ones who had to drive the bride and groom around. They were the ones who had to load the cars and bring things to the venue. They were the ones who had to bring things in and help set up. They are the ones to help clean things up. These people were given the most responsibilities out of all the guests who showed up. Now, out of these people who had the most responsibilities, I would say the maid of honor and the best man. Why? Because yes, the maid of honor had to carry the bouquet for Courtney, Courtney as she stood up there. And yes, she had to follow her around and fix the train of her gown so that she would always be presentable and beautiful. And, and yes, the best man had to hold the rings during the ceremony, those costly rings. And yes, they had to hold the vows for them until it was time. And yes, they had to prepare these speeches. These people were full of responsibility. But were they full of grumbling? Were they full of complaining? Were they full of bitterness? No. They were full of honor full of great privilege. Why? Because their responsibilities on that day was a reflection of their relationship with the bride and the groom. It was a reflection that for years they invested in a friendship, in a relationship. They walked together. 
They spent years going through the trials and the triumphs. They've gone through the ups and the downs. They, they spent together praying and praising. They've gone on road trips and traveling. They've gone through basketball games and basketball tournaments, go through midterms and, and finals. They've gone through it all. And on that day, the responsibility that was handed to them was a crown of honor and privilege because of the relationship with the bride and the groom. And I want to say, so shall heaven be. No one's going to be complaining or crying over the work you're given. It's going to be like, I get to do this for King Jesus. Now, whatever the form of the reward, whether it is levels of responsibility, whether it is crowns or jewels, whether it is garments of praise or mansions of glory, whatever the form is, we'll, we'll only know when we get there. But I want to say this, don't miss the essence of these rewards. Because the essence of the rewards received is the joy experienced. Whatever the reward is, what it's really about is the joy of Jesus, the joy of Jesus in eternity. That's what it's about. And so don't get me wrong, everybody who shows up in heaven, everybody who gets in, whether at the last minute or you've been, been walking with him for a long time, everybody's going to be perfectly happy and perfectly joyful. There will be no remorse and no regret. Everybody's cups will be filled to the fullness. Most joy you've ever experienced. You're not going to be envious or jealous that somebody has greater rewards or a larger crown. Everyone's going to be perfectly joyful perfectly happy. But this is also true. Let me ask you this. What is greater than a cup full of joy that's overflowing? A bucket of joy that's overflowing. The only thing greater than joy, the only thing greater than joy is greater joy. And I believe that what we do here on this earth to invest in our relationship, to, to invest in eternity, and to serve him faithfully, all we're doing is we are expanding our capacity to enjoy him more and more in heaven. Jonathan Edwards, he's a Puritan theologian and philosopher. He has a great sermon explaining this, and he paints the picture so well. I encourage you to find that article this week. Find that sermon. It's easy to find and read it. But I want to close like this. I open the message saying it's never too late to get in. I close by saying it's never too soon. It's never too soon. So I got in to the BTS concert. I, I got in. I had one week. I learned all the songs. I learned the music. And I see who these guys are. And, and a week later, I got into the BTS concert. Here's a picture uh, of me and, and, and three other girl dads. We're all girl dads here without our girls. Boys night out enjoying BTS at SoFi. We were so ecstatic to get in. And if you could tell from this picture, we, we're on level five. Like, that's as high as it gets at SoFi Stadium. So, so BTS are those little ants on the stage. And so we're so far. But the whole night, I just watched the screen the whole time because BTS was too small. But it didn't matter because the concert was electric. 
Like it was, the music was so loud, no matter where you were, you, you could hear the songs, you could hear the music. The army was even louder. These people are crazy. And, and, and like everything was like amazing. They were on point. It's crazy how they can sing so well while dancing these high energy routines and still be on point. They engaged with the crowd. They made some people laugh. They made other people cry. It was quite an amazing experience. I left with a big smile on my face. I'm so glad I got to experience that. Now, Doug's daughter that I told you about, Keala, who's BTS Army, she's true, legit BTS Army, she was at the same show for the second time that week. She went twice that week. That's how crazy she is. But she, Keala, was on the first level. She got to sit. Here's a picture she sent me while, while, while we were there. She, she sees them like face to face. She don't need no screen because she sees their face right there. She's that close. Let me ask you this. Between the two of us, who had a great experience at the BTS concert, me or Keala? Both of us. Full joy, full happiness, no, no regrets, no remorse between either of us. We're stoked that we were there. Let me ask you this. Who had a greater experience between the two of us? Me, who only knew them for a week? Or Keala, who has invested so much more time getting to know their music, so much more energy, watching all their videos, so much more effort memorizing all their songs, so much more money getting all the memorabilia, who has given so much of her life to BTS, who has a greater experience? Hands down, Keala got to experience a joy that I can't even comprehend. I want to say, so shall it be in heaven. That though there will be no regret or no remorse, all of us will know joy as much as we've ever known joy. But when we invest in eternity, we live now. We walk with Jesus now. We give our lives to him now. We use our resources for him now. We faithfully serve him now. We get intimate with him now. We memorize his word now. You'll have a greater capacity to experience the joy of Jesus, an inexplicably rewarding experience. It's never too late to get into heaven, praise God. But it's never too soon to start living for it. And so in answer to the question, now what? I say live now, amen? Live now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you so much that that opportunity is even available to us to get in to the kingdom of God. That the same grace that you showed the thief has been made available to all of us here. And I just pray that like the thief, we would admit our sins, acknowledge Jesus as king, and ask, ask for the kingdom. And I thank you that by your grace and by your work on the cross, it will be granted, no questions asked. But God, I pray that we would live now, that we would see that the essence of heaven is Jesus. And we don't wait to get to know Jesus, we get to know you now. God, you are our joy. You are our crown. You are the treasure that we seek. You are our all in all. And so we worship you now. We praise you, our joy 
and our crown. It's in your name we pray. Amen.